Aloha from Honolulu. Uh, <laughs> this is the perfect way to end the month of June. Um, we're celebrating Pride Month. Um, we're celebrating the sun and just a great season to get to know people and um, make new connections um, as we get ready to go into the fall in a couple of months. Callie, what's going on on your end there in Arkansas? You know, just trying to trying to stay cool and trying to stay dry it's humid it's warm trying to keep the lawn mode i don't know you know like pick 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 an issue i don't know <laughs> it's tuesday right like we love tuesdays they're better than mondays <laughs> <laughs> well okay let's uh, go ahead and jump in it's been a while we miss seeing everybody um, we miss our conversations that we have at Women Gather. It was a great event at Gather Table at the beginning of the month. And this is the perfect conversation to close out the month of June. So again, as I said earlier, it is Pride Month. And for those of you who don't know why we celebrate Pride Month, I did a little research. And so make sure you share this with your kids and your family members so we always know why we celebrate different months. Pride Month was initially inspired in, by the 1969 Stonewall Uprising and works to achieve equal justice and opportunities for the LBGTQ community. Pride Month is an entire month dedicated to the uplifting of LGBTQ voices, the celebration of culture, and the support of LGBTQ rights. Today we are joined with members of our Women Gather community who've agreed to share their experiences with us. So go grab your coffee, go grab your tea, tag a couple of friends and let's dive into the conversation and with that i'm going to introduce our panelists today we're going to start with blair and brooke and then corey and nick ladies will you each take a moment to introduce yourselves brooke you want to go first sure <laughs> hi i'm brooke wallace and i am blair's sister-in-law and um i'm just very happy to be here today and a member of this community and I am Blair Wallace and uh, Brooke is my sister-in-law and she's the most wonderful ally I could ever have. I am um, a proud lesbian in this community community, and um, she has been my rock and has, I mean, literally, literally since day one been with me. So um, uh, it's great to be here and be a part of this conversation. Corey. Um, my name is Corey Jackson, and I am a parent of a queer youth, and I am just her biggest advocate and her biggest fan, and so I'm here. <laughs> Thank you. And Nick? I am Nick. Um, I thought I was a really good ally for a really long time. Turns out not an ally, actually super gay. So... <laughs> Now I'm here oh, as myself. <laughs> well, I think each of us have um, very unique stories and I'm really excited to hear them. And again, I thank you all for being here. Um, I think it's one, it's, it's a little interesting, um, no matter where you are in life, living in the Bible Belt. And so I think it takes a degree of 
vulnerability and maturity to just even want to come and have a conversation because um, you never know when you're being judged. But I hope that um, whether you're black, whether you're a lesbian, whether you're Asian, whether you are able-bodied or disabled, um, there's just so much that, that goes into just being who you are. And I think it, it, it says a lot about people who are willing to come forth and, and just talk and inspire others um, and encourage and motivate others. So with that, let's dive into our, qu our questions. The question number one for today is, please describe your family dynamic and include any challenges as well as triumphs that you have endured as a result of just your family dynamic? Uh, who, who's going first here or is you it just- go first. Okay, well, so I think my story is a little bit different than a lot. Um, I've been super blessed. My parents have, um, and I know this isn't everyone's experience, but we're very supportive. My family, um, like I said, everyone has been really supportive. So it's been wonderful for me, but I've also had a lot of really good friends that have had a different story. And so that's very, um, you know, I always try to, to lean on them and like say, Hey, we're here for you. You can talk and, Oh, Hey, sorry. Like I said, I'm in a, I'm in a restaurant right now and somebody just walked in. Um, but I have had a really blessed story. Um, and I mean, the fact that people are educated and informed, and I think you really hit the point well when you said there's a level of maturity, especially about being in the South, that um, people can relate to. Uh, it's really just about educating people and educating about um, kind of what this process is. It's, I mean, we're all humans and all individuals. And so um, I think that's really like my most important part. Like it doesn't really define me, but it is a big part of my life. And so... I think if people can just be educated about that, that's, and I think that's what we're doing here right now. And even if I can interject, even with Blair, knowing she had a supportive family, like I grew up, as you said, in the Bible belt, like I grew up Southern Baptist, um, Methodist now, but um, as you can imagine, I was taught my whole life that that's a sin and that's wrong and had that kind of worldview within that little bubble that I grew up in. But then I became, um, really heavily involved in the theater. That's my degree. So obviously that opened up my whole worldview and some of my very best friends in the entire world are gay, lesbians, whatever, trans. And so I just took those people in and loved them for who they are. And so from that moment forward, I was like, forget whatever I learned growing up. That is not the truth. God loves everybody. So then I just wanted, like, I kind of, even wished maybe like my kids are gay. So I don't know. I just, that's just like my favorite thing in the world. And so whenever I met Blair, we were 19 when her brother and I got together and we knew she was, but she wasn't coming out to us. So even though we were like, very true, very true. Even though we were like the most accepting of people were like, Hey girl, you want to tell us anything? She wouldn't. And I was like, when is she going to come out? Like she's pretending to be with this boy. <laughs> this is not the truth. So her having said that, I just wanted people to also understand, even if you think that, you know, a supportive family and supportive friend group, it's not the easiest thing. And you just got to kind of let them come in at their own time and not force the issue. Yeah. Was your imaginary boyfriend George Glass? <laughs> <Just kidding>. Claire? <laughs> are, we, are we talking, are we asking me? Or, I'm sorry. I just yeah, I was asking. <laughs> From the Brady Bunch, you remember that? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I had a lot of imaginary boyfriends, I think. Uh, and then I, I think I told some lies to my family and to myself and um, <laughs> that's that. <laughs> Corey, go ahead. Dylan. Um, I am actually a pastor's child. I was raised missionary Baptist and um, um, I was adopted by my grandparents. My papa was actually a little bit more progressive than most missionary Baptists. Um, so, I mean, as a child, we spent a lot of time working with a program called RAIN and they used to actually help people that were um, in the middle of the HIV AIDS crisis. So I've been around the community since I was a child via church, which in the black missionary Baptist church is like unheard of. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine, you can imagine the uproar that my papa caused when we took rain up as one of our outreach programs. But anyway, so I was kind of in a way indoctrinated into, mm -hmm. um, you know, into being open to um, to the people that are in this community and seeing them as people and seeing them as people that are worthy of the same amount of love and respect and acceptance that I am. Um, but there was always still this internal conflict of everybody else and everyone else in the Christian community, especially in the black church community, saying that these people were sinning and I just, I couldn't reconcile the two. So um, something I struggled with my entire life and then we st I started having children and my oldest child came out, she's 16 now, she came out when she was 12, which y'all, I was so scared that she was pregnant. I was so relieved when she said that she thinks she, she likes girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. I was like, oh, that's it? Girl, <laughs> you didn't even have to, you didn't have to say anything. We, we, you could have just brought whoever it was home and we, I would have made them a sandwich, like who cares? So, um, That's trying to, there. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, so, but trying to find a space because I am, um, a follower of Christ mm -hmm. and I do believe in him as the savior and trying to find a space that is safe for my child to be able to experience our faith because she joined our faith on her own at seven and so trying to figure that out has been gosh mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and it does it takes a, a completely different I don't know well maybe as a all I can speak from is as a parent because I'm a cisgender heterosexual female that's all I know all I know is it's easy for me in church, but it's it's like horrible for my kid in church. Yeah. And so trying to find a place where she gets to freely be who she is and also freely be a Christian has mm -hmm. been very difficult. You can come to my church anytime. We'll welcome her. <laughs> what church? At Pulaski Heights. Bring up a really 
You were y'all's church was actually on a list of recommendations. Yeah, it was. we are I'm going gonna... down a list. <laughs> well, we we even have leadership within our church that is um, in the heterosexual community. So we we you know, and several churches are like, well, you can come, but you can't be a leader position. Well, that's not right. And those are the churches that my baby will not go to because if you can be saved, you can lead in the faith. And if you can't, then that church is not for us. That's right. Well, I will take her in there under my little wing. Okay. (laughs) So I uh, was married to a man for, I think we're married 12 years. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I was raised in an affirming environment. My parents are both. I call them liberal hippies, uh, but I met a funny guy at 18 and was married by 21, and he was nice and funny and not hard to get along with, um, but marriage was never good because if you're deeply in the closet, uh, doesn't go great, uh, so like, I don't know, three years ago or so, I came out to him, and we continued to try to stay married. Um, we even moved to Brooklyn for uh, almost a year um, with our, we have a son, and our church in Brooklyn um, is beyond belief affirming and amazing, to the point that I still consider them my church, and like, we go to a local church, but I tithe to my Brooklyn church and I attend it, uh, online and I, I love them with my whole heart, mainly because they are a huge reason why my ex-husband and I still have a relationship. We are the best of friends. We are fantastic co-parents. He steps in as a father figure to my soon to be other children. Um, I'm getting married next month. He is. Congratulations. He is the one that told my fiance to ask me on a date. <laughs> so like he, our, our church in Brooklyn is so instrumental in um, both of our faith journeys and both of our lives. And then we're, we're both from affirming backgrounds. And then there's my fiance who is raised Southern Baptist and her family is our biggest hurdle because you can like you can try and you can try to continue to create relationships and build relationships but when people hurt you repeatedly for who you are um that's really really hard so like even though i come from and my whole family is fantastic and adores her and adores our kids and like my 92 year old grandfather is basically like, she's his best friend. They love each other, (laughs) but we can't spend time with her family as much. We have to really create a boundary there and they view their faith in that realm. And, and we don't, and we're the same with as Corey, like we're not taking our kids to a church that would not accept us as our whole selves. I don't believe that that's a healthy thing to do for anybody. Um, and luckily we found, we, we go to Lakewood Methodist. I used to go to Pulaski Heights. Uh, Lakewood is another church on my list. Really, really lovely. I think I live down the street from that church and have been thinking about going there. Well, come visit. <laughs> um, we really, we really do love Lakewood and it's a fantastic, like the children's program is 
just really small and quaint and our kids love their people there. Um, so yeah, that's me. I co-parent with my ex-husband uh, and I'm getting married and after I get married, I'm adopting her two kids. So Yay. that's our family. <laughs> oh, congratulations. happy. Yeah. Well, um, I'll go ahead and get started with our, our next question. And that is, um, what would you say are some common misconceptions that people have about either you, your lifestyle, your loved ones? And then what do you do to address those? How do you either combat those or handle those when they come about? What what is it that you're saying when you when you have those misconceptions put in front of you? I think the biggest one for me is um, a lot of people believe that I'm sinning constantly, that I have lost my faith and um, that I'm like not religious, not faithful, don't believe in God. All of all of that, when in reality, since embracing my queerness and embracing myself as who I am, um, I've grown immensely closer to God. Mm-hmm. And my relationship with God is a much like more meaningful and closer, closer, I guess. Um, and I am like a huge theology nerd. Like I have bookshelves. Okay. I'm, I'm a giant nerd. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's my, it my most favorite thing to talk about. And I could talk about it for entirely too long, but, uh, being open about that and being, telling people like, no, this is, this is where my faith journey went. And here's 47 book recommendations <laughs> for it. But I also refuse to do that with people who are not in my life. So I have a boundary that if you are not part of my life, I don't care what you think about me. Don't waste your energy. I'm not going to waste my energy and my time. I have too many. I 100% agree with everything you just said. Like that, like truly, like I was thinking about my answer, but I was, I'm just going to like follow your, I mean, like 100% agree. If you, if you have a problem, um, like then it's fine. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like move Mm on. I don't, you don't need to be a part of my life. Absolutely. Or mine. <laughs> or sister. Yes. Um, yeah. I think a, a misconception, like what Nick said, Nick said, is that they are, there's this misconception that, you know, they are constantly living in this sinful, you know what I'm saying? awful type of world. And I think that is completely incorrect. I think it's unfair. Um, I One of the sermons I think that turned me from my home church now was that um, our pastor was talking about how sinful it is for, you know, people to be lovers, men to be lovers of men and all this other stuff. And he sealed it with, Jesus is always waiting, turn away from your sin. Well, how, first of all, how can they turn away from something that happens organically and naturally occurring? Like it is naturally occurring for me to like only men. I did not try to do this. Nobody taught me this. I didn't pick this up anywhere. I didn't have to soul search to figure this out. It was like, ah, I'm seven, boy, he's cute. And it went from there, right? You know. So for 
someone to say, turn away from sin, like something that is naturally occurring, something that you can't help, that isn't learned, that isn't picked up is sin is ridiculous because you can't turn away from a part of who you are. And being that God created them, how can you turn away from how God created you? Especially if, guess what? Everything he does is right. He makes no mistake. So it just is so contradictory. I was like, yeah, I, no, <laughs> just no. And it's, I, I, it hurts my feelings that people really believe that they are just sinning and they can just stop. If you just stop, everything will be fine. Don't you think they want to? If that would be the easier, the court, the path of less resistance, right? Mm -hmm. If they could just stop and then just all of a sudden be straight and not be bullied and shunned by families, and then they would. So it's just, bleh. And, and some of the most amazing human beings on this planet are who I've met through this community. And there's no sinning about any of it. Just no. to follow up with what you're I mean. The, the kindest people. I'm not saying that heterosexuals aren't, I'm not saying any of them. I'm just saying like, there's no sinning with most of the people that I know in this. I mean, they're just huge hearts and lovers and animal lovers and people lovers. And so I mean, there's no. It's just people hiding behind their Christianity to judge and implement the parts of the Bible that they want to. Because if really you want to get down to it, if you're like everybody in this church, staying up if you had sex before marriage, okay, that's a sin. Staying up right. if you did your neighbor's wife, that's a sin. Staying up if you don't. It's just they want to pick out what's important to them, what they feel exactly. inside their own heart. Well, everybody's different. And how is it affecting your life if so-and-so wants to be in love with somebody else? That is not affecting right. you. Mind your business. Yeah. You know, honestly, yeah, go ahead. Everybody go ahead. who wears polyester and eats shellfish are sinning. So let's just <laughs> right. We're stick through to the word, <laughs> right? You just can't pick it out and you can't hide behind it in order to, right? Yeah, well, I think that a lot of people have used, um. Well, I'm, I'm just going to speak on Christianity because it's the only religion that I'm well versed on, but they've used, um, they've used it to pervert the word, you know, for, for, to promote their own agendas. And I feel like that's the commonality with like, like hate and intolerance for the LGBTQ community and for different racial communities. Um, the premise, all of that comes from like these Christians who have this power and they use it to keep their power and to keep other people beneath them. Um, is That's kind of what's ringing um, like as the common denominator in this conversation, but also to what Blair said about families. And I hope you don't think I'm like so cliche. And if I am, I apologize. My favorite TV show in the whole world is Modern Family. I love that show. Because they're so not conventional but like yeah. literally if you actually took the time to watch it that's what everybody wants with their family it's just at the end of the day for everybody to love each other it doesn't matter what what the makeup is of the family but just that you know that that whole group with their quirkiness and everything else like they just they just love each other and like i want to be like a cousin or something you know i love that that's like my favorite i watch reruns every every single sure. night like I, they come I, on every night at like 11. <laughs> but it's so good because of the underlying message you know what i mean that yeah. people just want to be loved and people just want to be a part of a family and 
they're like the perfect family. They're like the Brady Bunch of the 21st century. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I actually have a, a question that maybe you guys can help me out with. So I recently got into a conversation with my mother who I, I love dearly, but she tends to take this very like hippie approach. Just, just love everybody and they'll love you back and we'll all be happy. <laughs> I have a, I have a very dear cousin who just moved back from, or just moved from California to Arkansas and she's living with her parents. Um, and, and she, uh, She's a lesbian and she is obviously like, I don't know how to describe it. She's this like huge zest for life and adventure. And so she's been asking a lot of us to go on hikes. Well, I can't keep up, I get exhausted, but she <laughs> go. And she, she, my mom's like, well, why isn't she asking anybody else to go? And why didn't she invite anybody to her, you know, her birthday party, except for you? And I said, well, oh, no. mom, it's, it's because she doesn't feel comfortable with a lot of our family. And like, well, why wouldn't she feel that? And I said, well, I was trying to explain her. I was like, as a cis heterosexual woman, you know, like we can't, we can't necessarily identify with what she's going through. Just, you know, you keep, she keeps saying over and over again that, well, she, that's in her head. She just thinks that we don't approve of, she just thinks that we don't like her. And so I'm having a very hard time talking to my family about, and being an ally for my cousin as to why she feels uncomfortable with our family, even though they love her, they want to be around her, they want her to have good things. So how would you recommend somebody being able to talk to their family about, about how, why they're feeling this way and why it's not okay to sort of like whitewash it out, you know? Well, um, again, my fiance's family is not in any way, shape, or form accepting, but they constantly are like, well, we love you to her. Um, but their love is conditional. And uh, you can say that you love someone as much as, until you're blue in the face, but if you're not actually showing that, then I'm not gonna feel it. She's not gonna feel it. It doesn't, like they, they're gonna have to step out of, like, you know, I don't know how to tell them to do this because I fight it constantly, but, they need to figure out how to step out of their comfort zone and to actually show love in physical, um, actual ways instead of just saying the words. Like the words don't mean anything to your right. cousin. They don't mean anything to her. Um, you, you have to actually have that. My, I, I regularly send my daughter to my future in-laws house um, with a shirt that says love is an action um, to just because I'm bad like that and want them to keep putting that in their head. <laughs> like, it's not just your words that matter. Your actions matter significantly. And so finding a way to explain to them, like, maybe you need to ask her to lunch and tell her to your face, to her face, like, idea. I love you. Mm -hmm. And how can I support you in that? And listen, because mm -hmm. they talk about different love languages, but usually people ascribe that to like romantic love. There's love languages that apply to just relational love. Mm -hmm. And what you may think is your form of loving someone, you know, could be hurting someone. But if you were going to have a conversation with them and you genuinely want to love them, you've got to show up willing to listen, willing to learn, willing to correct yourself. 
and mm-hmm. willing to continue to uh, want to learn and, and keep getting it right and accepting that you might make mistakes, but to stay the course because anybody can show up to lunch and be like, I love you, um, you know, and then turn around and say, what you're doing is, is terrible and you're going to go to hell. Um, I, I'm not gay, but I did have two of my kids out of wedlock and my dad asked me when I told him I was pregnant with my second child, why do I go to church? And that made me feel like I wasn't worthy of God because I I was pregnant with the second child. And so, you know, again, you have to show up to listen and to want be apologize. You know, mm-hmm. even if it was whether it was intentional or unintentional, if you truly love that person or that family member, you know, and you want to get it right, or if you're if you're that entrenched in in your faith that you think that um, kindness is the way and you want to go to heaven then, you know, that's a good place to start is to, to show up and open your ears. And I say, I'll pray for you. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> right. also right. as an, as an ally, one thing we have to also make sure we do is to not discount when someone is feeling something and they express that. Um, there you go. Yes. We get so used to um, our feelings taking precedent our feelings of comfort, our feelings of, you know, shame or our fear of the unknown that we uh, will bit like just completely toss out. And that's what you explained that your parents did, that you were saying that, oh, well, she doesn't feel comfortable. And your mom was like, oh, that's not true. You know, well, it, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, perception is reality. You. <laughs> you know, and so that's the first thing is that we always have to check ourselves on making sure that we don't discount somebody else's truth, their feelings, you know, everything that they say and feel is valid. Even if it's not something that we intended to make them feel, intent means nothing. How it is received is everything. Exactly. And we are responsible for how what we have said or what we have done is received, even if we didn't intend it that way, you know? And so I think maybe explaining it to your parents that way, you know, explain to your parents, like if I tell a really bad joke, right? And you're the brunt of the joke, but to me, it's hilarious. And I thought you were gonna laugh and I tell this joke and I'm cracking up and you are furious. Does it matter that my intent was to make you laugh? Or does it matter that you're furious and it hurt you, you know? And so maybe they will get it from that perspective, you know? It's a really good way to spin it. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I'm sure I'm not the only one with, you know, trying to sort out these issues with my family. So, oh, for sure. Our listeners will definitely appreciate like any kind of like ways to talk about it, you know? So it's so different for me and my story, like when, I like, for instance, go over to Brooke and Thomas's house and Stephanie and I are there like we hold hands and we laugh and we, you know, like are affectionate and we don't think a thing of it. But then if we like, and I'm not saying anything is wrong with my wife's side of the family at all. They just, I don't think have the same level of acceptance, but when we go over there, it's, it's a totally different, like we sit on the couch together but we're never like it's just a it's a whole thing and and they tell me like hey we love you we accept you but it's I I don't know so I'm really interested in this part of the conversation because I don't know what I need to do or what but it's it's not the same 
you know what I mean? It's, we sit there, we're very polite. They're, you know, they're very new life and Christian, you know, like they have a, I'm not even trying to bring faith into it, but um, it's different. And so like, I need to learn like how to address that as well. And so, to, because <clears throat> when, when we go to their house for holidays or whatever, we act a totally different way than we do if we go to like Brooke's house or my parents' house or something. And so it's an interesting dynamic because I don't know if I'm enabling it because I don't say anything or if I'm not, like, is, am I a part of the problem? You know, like, what do y'all think about that? I think you need to be yourself. And if they feel uncomfortable and they make that known, then you just don't go back there because I'm not going to pretend not to love your brother in front of somebody just because it makes them feel uncomfortable, then I would remove myself from that situation. Like I understand right. being like kind when you're at somebody's house and not being like overly, like nobody just wants to see anybody make out, but you don't do that. You know? Well, no, well, I mean, it's just yeah. like normal couple. I'm not saying we're overly, it, a, a, you know, I mean, but like holding no, hands. Our, hand. We hear, no, we hear, I hear what you're saying, but, and I think, and no offense, I hope you don't take offense to this, Brooke. I understand what you're saying and you can be like, well, don't go back over there and blah, blah, blah. For me, this is something that's, that I do every day. It's literally called assimilation, okay? But I don't do it because I'm not cishet. I do it because I'm black. And in different situations around different people, in different homes, in different, you know, environments, I have to make sure that I mind my blackness. You know what I'm saying? And so, so it is actually something that I'm very, very used to just because switching. of the, it is definitely called code switching. You know, and code switching, like I said, was born of assimilation. You feel out your environment and you adjust how you act in that environment so that you can get out of there unscathed mentally emotionally yeah. whatever and you and that is what's you, happening i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but also blair what i would say and to anybody who was watching this is that we have intuition that we were born with and also like we we can perceive energies so just because mm -hmm. on the on the um like on the superficial surface something looks like it's welcoming like if your intuition is telling you it's not it's not you know and so you right. do yeah. what you have to do to to like you said to kind of like survive that situation make it through the holiday whatever. yeah make it yeah exactly yeah, yeah. But whatever and then, you have so you can come out unscathed You're right and then you get home and you decompress and it's like it never happened and then you you prepare when you know you're going back to that place, you start mentally preparing again, mm -hmm. and then you get there and it's like unspoken, it just happens. You don't ask questions, you already know what's going on. It's like, all right, then it's over. It's just, it's literally assimilation. It's well, I, I guess I've just never talked to anybody about that before. It's just something <laughs> that I've done. You know, like what if, yeah. here's a scenario that I know has happened. What if you show up to somebody's house and they tell you, don't be yourself with your spouse? I would walk out That's happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> because that infuriates me. Yeah. Yeah, I would leave. And honestly, I think that would probably happen at my house because my dad, I love my dad to pieces and he's the smartest person I know, but he's incredibly pious. And he, he would be that person. Um, his older brother, 
um, was like probably 65 and came to my, my parents' house with his girlfriend and from Florida and my dad made them sleep in separate bedrooms because they weren't married. I'm like, this dude is 65 and his kids are grown. I mean, you are not stopping anything from happening that has not yeah. already. No. <laughs> the lesson to my parents, my dad should have been, these people don't want to come visit you anymore because yeah. you put these parameters on, like, you gave them a script on how they had to act according to what your idea was of, like, perfect people. And so when you end up with an empty house and you're lonely, that that's on you but anyways i digress i'm gonna really briefly let's take a, a minute or two because we already covered this one so we can jump into some meteor questions um nick i was gonna ask you and actually it's kind of both for nick and um corey as parents um have you ever experienced conflict with other parents nick i was looking at you because uh i know little man is like elementary school age and i was just wondering like that dynamic like do you ever find conflict with parents who are they don't want their kids coming to play or spend the night at a house with um with a kid who has same-sex parents or anything like do you have any issues like that or how how do you deal with that um i don't know we homeschool um we pulled them completely last year so they don't have as much interaction as uh schooled kids would um so our biggest like conflict with parents is with uh her sister and um they've had conversations with their kids about how like they don't agree with us and that's that tends to be where our source of conflict comes from because we don't hang out with that many other people pandemic we were really really uh insular and didn't didn't do a lot so and again like i said earlier i have a hard boundary like if you're not with me goodbye that said our boys do play soccer and thus far we haven't had a huge issue there um but with her family how we handle it with our kids and how i would handle it if we did meet another family that didn't agree is our kids know that they believe differently than we do um they also know that our whole job is to love people period and then we have a rule in our house that you share your opinion one time it's mainly so that they don't argue constantly, but we've told them that the parents have shared our opinion. So you don't need to share your opinion. You don't need to step into this. This isn't something for you to worry about. Um, and that's how we really plan to continue in the future. If, if we do come across somebody that is mm -hmm. like, Oh no, no, no. We'll say, okay, that's fine. They get to, they get to have their opinion. They get to have their belief system, but we're going to stick with ours and ours is based on love, period. Um, end of story. We don't, we don't do anything that's not, or we try very hard not to do anything that's <coughs> doesn't come from a place of love. Um, so yeah, that, that's, I, I feel like that's exactly how we would uh, deal with it because we've dealt with it. You know, we didn't think it was necessary for her sister to have a conversation with her small children about how they don't agree with our yeah. life 
Um, I, I was thinking about like planning between slumber parties and birthday parties and just not wanting kids to be ostracized because oftentimes whatever the conflict is in the school, like it stems from something crazy some parent has set at home Absolutely. and they bring that energy to school. But Corey, let's round this question out because um, then I think Callie has something a little meatier for Blair and Brooke. Um, so do um, you have final thoughts on, on that like with, yeah. with play dates um, in church or anything with uh, kids? Yeah, like I said, my daughter's 16 now. She came out when she was 12. So we've had our share of slumber parties and birthday parties and I have had conflict with parents who um, I didn't feel it was important for me to tell them my child's sexuality and I didn't. If you're going to have your kid come to a slumber party, they come to a slumber party. And um, Jordan's very open and so she would tell them her sexuality and then next thing I know my phone is ringing and there are parents calling like why didn't you tell me your daughter was you know bi or you know they they don't want them there like how can they would say things like how can you trust that she's not going to try to do things with them or how can you like let them spend the night that's like a boy she's spending 12? the night with a girl and, right well first of all first of all if a boy first spends the night with a girl and they he likes the girl then that's problematic or if the boy has rapey tendencies then that's problematic but just the boy spending the night with the girl, that's not weird. We do it with our cousins and brothers all the time. So, you know, but um, I don't know. It's weird. I'm and then Eddie, I, I would them, feel like your kid isn't cute and my kid's not attracted to them anyway, but sorry. Right, but, but, but <laughs> trying to explain, it isn't my kid's type, don't worry. Trying to explain <laughs> to cishet people that somebody who is not cishet does not all of a sudden one day like, oh my God, I'm bi. Every girl I see, I want to do them. Yeah. That is not how that works. That's a misconception. You know like, yeah. it's, yes. it's weird. Every dude you see, Sally, do you want to do them like in the ice cream aisle at Kroger? No. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey there, Leroy, while you're picking up lamb chops, do you want to like go grab the butcher lady over there and be like, yo, thanks for the rack? No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like some some people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, some people, you know. But I'm just saying, like, you're not attracted to every single person. So they, you know, do not have attractions to every single person. So you can definitely have a slumber party with a bunch of girls in the room, and my daughter be a girl who's interested in girls and not be interested to a single girl in that room outside of. You're a really cool friendship, friend, and we make great slime. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. But also, you like, know, physical attraction, even if she were attracted to anybody in the room, does not mean that she's about to jump them. Like, that's exactly. the whole group of people. Again, she's 12, it's right? Weird. Like, but, listen, but listen, Nick, the reason, here's the reason that men and women alike think that. Because men, yep. when they have physical attractions, are rapey. And women know that men are rapey when they have physical attractions. So they don't understand how anybody else could have attractions that aren't rapey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Wild. Totally. Yep. We know. Well, can I, but I know y'all got one more question, but I just yeah. want to jump in and say that, um, that Brooke and Thomas, I don't know how they, but they have raised the two best, most accepting, like I've never had a question from 
Maddie or from Carter. I'm sorry, Brooke, if I'm saying names and I shouldn't no, on a podcast or whatever. But like they are the two coolest freaking kids. They they call me Aunt B and they call my wife Aunt Stephanie. I mean, like it's it really is how you raise them. And I couldn't commend them better. Like they're just they've done such a great job. So I'm just Uh-oh. giving you a shot. I think there's something I don't know what that, y'all did and what y'all said, but like, holy lord, <laughs> y'all raised some good kids. To be said, and I, I know I have another question to get to, but I've been doing a lot of research on implicit versus explicit bias. Um, kids are not born thinking that one thing is right or one thing is another. It's cultural assimilation. It's cultural impressions that we put on them, and so I'm a firm believer is if you are making your child, if you're exposing your child to all of these different things and things that maybe the society wouldn't consider, you know, mainstream or whatever, but you're exposing them to people, then they're not going to grow up thinking that there's anything different about anybody. I mean, this is, I work in the disability community and we're constantly asking people to send their, what we would call typical children to our preschool so that they can develop those skills of just being around kids in wheelchairs with this, right. you know, mm-hmm. so I think it's all in how you start, you start really early. Are your books including them, the way you talk, the way you are, you know, addressing somebody? I don't know. I just, I, I think that there's something so interesting about implicit bias that we have a lot of learning to do as yes. parents and as a culture when we're around kids, you know? I agree. Um, okay. So the next question, um, and this you know, for anybody that's going to be listening that um, has any kind of control over this or owns a owns a company, um, what can workplaces do to be more accommodating, inclusive, and respectful to the LGBTQ com- plus community? I know there's a lot of DEI efforts when it comes to gender and race, you know, but but what what can workplaces do to be more accommodating and welcoming to LGBTQ plus community? Um, well, I, uh, as y'all know, um, own Chabachi, which is a restaurant. It's a small little thing. Like it, we're not some big corporation. Um, and like I said, like, I, I really don't have any kind of like sob story. I've really had a, a great and respectful upbringing. I mean, I, I guess just be like aware of pronouns. I know that's really like, you know, specific to some people, but I mean, we just don't make it a thing. Like I, I don't ask, like, it's like people know that I'm gay, but we don't have to talk about it all the time. And, you know, like it's, I mean, we just really kind of, you know, like what we've been talking about this whole time of it's just love, like be yourself, be whoever. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot of corporations that um, need to put things in practice. But for me personally, I mean, we just like, if you're a good hire, you're a good hire and, and, and we will be respectful to what you want to do. And, um, or, or who you want to be and who you choose to be. And I mean, that's really all we're about as about love and respectful and, and not question. It's not, it doesn't define you, you know, like you are who you are. Um, there probably is better answers for larger corporations, but for us, it's just come in and, and be yourself and we will accept you. Because and- their food is the bomb. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think for how you present yourself to the world to make people feel just like Corey, like with church, like um, you see the churches that say, God loves everyone, everyone welcome. Like putting things out there that people know, I'm welcome here, I don't even have to ask questions. I don't have to think about, I don't have to worry about walking in and feeling like, 
are they gonna know I'm black? Are they gonna know I'm gay? Are they gonna know I'm whatever? Um, obviously I work at the Arkansas Times. Obviously everybody knows because we put it out there. So Look at this plug. <laughs> and I'm also the publisher of Savvy Kids and I did talk to your kids about racism. So I love it. Is that out right now? Um, this was um, last year, July of 2020. Okay. But I try to do things as a publisher that I know are hot topics where people don't have to ask for the information. We just give it to them. And we present ourselves to the world in a way that everybody knows that they're welcome here. There whether you, you want to come work for us or just read us or whatever. Um, we have black people on our team. We have, you know, I'm sure some gay people. <laughs> Who knows? But I'm not out anybody. But in all I'm saying is I think that if you present yourself in a way um, to the world where people don't have to ask questions, they just know inherently they're welcome, then that's always kind. There you go. Yeah. Um, I own a salon and um, I, I don't know. I think anybody who comes in contact with me knows they can come to the salon unless they're weird. You know, I mean, <laughs> and just saying, like, if you're weird and give me like weird vibes, don't come to the salon. But yeah, if I'm you're not weird, by the way, come to the salon. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> and honestly, some weird is acceptable. I'm a little weird, so some weird is acceptable. But like okay. the weird, weird, don't come. Creepy. Yeah. That's the no. that. But other than that, no. But like, I've made sure that um, on my service menu, I have um, I don't have gender like specific um, services. So like in some, yeah, like at some salons, well not some, lots of salons, especially here, you'll see men's cut or women's cut, or you mm -hmm. see women shampoo and style or blah, blah, blah. No, I got a clipper cut. I got a haircut and a blowout. You know, I have a, a shampoo and style or whatever, like because hair doesn't have a gender, it's stupid. Anybody can get a clipper cut, you know, anybody can get a blowout, anybody can get a press and curl, what are we doing, you yeah. know, and it's just really that ingrained exclusionary, like, practice that has been passed down, like, if you get clippers, that's dude stuff, and that's not the truth, so I made sure to do away with all of that, um, and like I said, as long as you're not weird, you just come. Yeah, your pricing <laughs> list makes me think Jonathan Van Ness has better hair than any of us. So Girl, yes. charge him for like a male cut and wash, like, you know. Right. I wish. Okay. I wish <laughs> now. <laughs> Normalizing pronouns uh is like such a big deal. Um, but I said we dropped our kids off at camp this week and I noticed that their counselor had his pronouns on his name tag and I was just like oh my gosh we're sending them to a safe camp like they're gonna be okay they know their pronouns are a thing <laughs> it made me feel really good <laughs> I will say at my at my work I um my email signature has my pronouns on it but then I also put, why do I have pronouns? That's and it's a link so that anybody that looks at it can click on it and, and kind of understand well, why and hopefully do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, with that, again, when we opened this, we talked about the fact that June is Pride Month. Do any of you all do anything to celebrate Pride Month? So in Central Arkansas, like our Pride is October. So yes. like 
our, our actual pride event uh, this year is October 16th. So like my family will be there and we go every year, except obviously last year. Um, what is like? Huh? What, like, what, what can you expect to like when one um, attends? Well, I made pride trouble. There you go. I need one. Will you save me one? Yes, please? Yeah. Okay. We want one. Um, you got to the parade. Parades. We've got, there's always like a family section. Um, drag queen story time is fantastic. Uh, oh, yeah. Totally fairly safe drag show. <laughs> it's all fairly safe. <laughs> At least here, it's all family friendly. Um, World Pride in, in New York in 2019 was not as family friendly, but we still had a blast. <laughs> um, as far as Pride Month's concerned with like diversifying our books, our books are very diverse, but we do try to um, up what we read and what we talk about with our littles. They're, we have two eight-year-olds and six-year-old, um, but they're pretty in it in general. Um, but that's kind of how we do Pride Month. Okay. I was just going to show Blair. I need an upgrade. Can you see that? Oh, oh I do see that. So oh. save me save me one of those, please. I, I got you, girl. I got you. Okay. Okay. How about you? That's awesome. Up. What about Corey or Brooke or Blair? What do you all do um, to celebrate either June Pride Month or Arkansas's October Pride Month? That's something new I just learned right now. I don't know, Callie, if you knew that for October. Um, oh well, I, guess, I mean, I guess I got to get on the ball, huh? Um, for the October <laughs> thing, because I'm like you. <laughs> I'm so busy. My head is down with food and wine all the time. Um, my stickers, I mean, we, of course, cel celebrate everybody. We've been giving these little Pride Month stickers out to everybody that comes in. Um, I don't know if y'all have got any uh, advice for me. I'm happy to to hear if there's something y'all think I could be doing. You need a pride drink, special a pride yeah. drink. Last week, Ooh. last week. Mm -hmm. All right, you're, you're in charge of making that, okay? And then I'll I'll put it out. I'll be your taste tester. <laughs> you're, you're the taste tester. Okay, got it. I can definitely help Adora with be that like part. the Stonewall, the Stonewall cocktail series or something. Yes, oh, I heard, yeah. heard, heard. It's still white. And then we have the opportunity to tell people what that is. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Okay, we're making we're making moves. Okay. So making I'm all about themed cocktails. <laughs> I'm with um, Nick and we do October for Pride. We do and the Arkansas Times usually has like a car and we ride in it. We have um, tutus. We have our rainbow tutus and our wigs. And my daughter really gets into that dress up. That's very cool. That is. And then cool. I usually carry my sign that says "God loves my God loves everybody" because you know my you God. have the people with the bullhorns telling you you're sinning and stuff. So. You that. know what I have always wanted to do? Um, I saw a couple years ago, like there's there's a it might be the <coughs> pride um like walk or march or whatever, but like I saw in New York that there were parents that were like um yeah. they would just give hugs to Pretty people. I'm gonna do it. My I wanna do that. that. Mm -hmm. How do you get information on that? Like, if you have any information, just what Google, can we? It's called like their organization is Free Mom Hugs. So just okay. like search that, and okay. I don't know if they have a local chapter. I don't even know if you have to have a chapter, or just put a shirt on that says Free Mom Hugs and go show up. That's what I was gonna do. I was just gonna put on a shirt and stand on the sidelines and love up on all those folks who yeah. are not nice. And I was gonna try to give them cookies too. I don't know, cookies make love things it. better. 
always. But we, I haven't had a chance to do anything with Jordan for a long time. Uh, Jordan didn't want to participate. I think she still felt very um, exposed, very uncovered. Um, and I don't think she fully understood that Pride was like the place where you could go and be mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. You know, I'll, yeah, you so could be mean. with the people. I don't think yeah. she understood that. You know, like I said, she was very, very young when she came out. So navigating those waters at 12 and 13 and, you know, it's kind of, it's difficult to navigate life, life, period. You don't want to be um, yeah, that's a hard right. time of life without. So hard. Exactly. Exactly. And so she didn't want to participate and I, I didn't want to push her. And then um, in 2020, we actually went and did the March on Washington because I'm a super activist for that too. And she was like, I want to come. And I was like, okay. And she said that she wanted to wear a, um, a shirt to identify herself. And I was like, okay. She was like, yeah, because I need to tell, I need to be there so that I can tell all those black men that think that black lives matter is only about their black lives, that it's Mm -hmm. about black queer girl lives too. And I was like, well, come on, babe, you're going to Washington. So (laughs) look at you uh, raising a little. (laughs) Yes, please. I'm trying guys. It's always women. (laughs) Women always do the hard work. It really, really is. I feel like you're right. That was a great um, point to end on. That was really, really strong. So um, we're at the top of the hour. Let's just take like 30 seconds each person. What do you want everybody to walk away from this podcast conversation with? Um, Just one nugget that um, you hope resonates with people who listened in today. Let's start with Blair and then do Brooke and then Nick and then Corey. Um, Well, this is my first one. So I was super excited to be asked and um, I just hope that uh, everyone takes away that like it, that love is love and I thank y'all y'all you women taught me so much and um, really about the family and uh, things like that and so uh, I just really appreciate even being invited. Okay and I was looking at this um, Ted Lasso comment that's on my wall the whole time and it's real simple be curious not judgmental. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's it. Love y'all. Everyone like constantly remembers to all it takes is just love and respect. And like, if you have those two things, then you're going to include people and you're going to love people and make people feel safe. And that's really what we should be doing. Um, I think for me is that to remember that people are not monoliths. Someone could definitely not be heterosexual, definitely not be um, cis, uh, cisgender and still be a Christian and still be saved. Heard. Amen. There you go. All right. Well, that concludes our our June uh, Women Gather virtual series. Um, for those of you that don't know, we are going to start doing these once a month. Um, so, Callie, can you give everybody a little information about what they can look forward to in the month of July? Absolutely. So, as Adora said, we're changing up the format a little bit, and we're going to be doing it um, once a month on the fourth Tuesday, still at noon. Um, so make sure to update your reminders of the change and join us for our next conversation. Uh, it's going to be a heavy one, but definitely something that we need to talk about, and that's coping with grief and loss. So I, I know that all of us have gone through a period of, of grief and all of us have lost somebody near and dear to us, especially probably within the last year. Last year has been hard. 
Um, so we're really looking forward to that conversation. And so we really hope that we see all of you guys there. It's gonna be right here, Tuesday, July 27th at 12 p.m. And make sure you bring your tissues. We're gonna really dig deep and try to get through some healing as we gather together, so. All right, so with that, enjoy the last of your Pride Month. Um, thank you, Blair. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Nick. Thank, thank you, Brooke. And as always, come to Bachi. See you. Go eat at Chalbachi. Their food is the bomb. <laughs> and I am about to go and get on the beach and enjoy some of this Hawaiian sand. So you all in Arkansas and everyone else that's listening around the company, thanks for joining us today. And we will see you on July 27th. Take care.